come to a head here. If Speaker McCarthy puts a continuing resolution on the floor to keep the government open for 30 days, is that enough in your mind to force a vote to kick him out of his job? I agree with many of my colleagues who say that if Speaker McCarthy embraces a clean continuing resolution to continue the spending policies of Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden, that would most likely trigger a motion to vacate. Remember, I gave a speech last week detailing multiple areas where Kevin McCarthy has breached his agreement with House conservatives. There was a big thrust of that that was uh, the spending commitments, but also a vote on term limits, a vote on a balanced budget amendment, release of the January 6 tapes. These are things Kevin McCarthy promised. He hasn't done those things. We're here to hold him to account. And there are meetings happening. I, I just left a meeting with Congressman Biggs about the finer points of our Department of Homeland Security appropriations bill. We have a rule being drafted right now so that we can pass appropriations bills for our military, Department of Homeland Security, uh, for our agriculture priorities, and also the Department of State and Foreign Ops. So those bills will have a good amalgamation of policy and spending cuts, and I think it'll put our country on better fiscal footing. Do you have enough support to actually take away McCarthy's gavel? Well, it depends on the Democrats. I saw in an interview this morning that Democrat Whip Catherine Clark said that if Democrats were to bail out Speaker McCarthy, they would require concessions. And that should trouble a lot of Republicans, because if we have a Republican speaker who is working for the Democrats because they're the ones who bailed him out, then I doubt we'll be able to make much progress for but the I'm, voters who elected us. But I'm asking, actually, what I'm really asking is, what's the plan B? If not McCarthy, then who? You? No, I don't want to be speaker, but I, I do know we have a very talented group of members. It's a little uncomfortable to discuss right now because our number two, who would be naturally someone we would look to, is right now getting treatment for blood cancer and is not with us. We hope he has a full, fast recovery and would be right back into our leadership structure. Our number three is uh, Tom Emmer. He's our whip. He's got uh, a lot of uh, credibility across different sections of the conference. But getting rid of McCarthy, if he has failed us for eight months, if he has delayed the appropriations process, as even his allies conceded earlier this evening in the Rules Committee, uh, then getting rid of him is sort of an end unto itself because it shows that we've got the ability to pivot, make how a better is, choice, and, and go forward and is, actually deliver. But how is getting rid of McCarthy an end unto itself? If you get rid of him, but you can't elect a replacement who will do what you want them to do, that seems to kind of defeat the purpose. Do you have the votes, do you think, to elect someone who, in your view, would be better than McCarthy? Oh, sure. I think that if we were back in a speaker contest, there are any number of people who would be able to assemble a coalition. And there weren't stuck the last time around. There weren't well, the right, last that, time around. Right, but we've had eight months of experiences that inform how we think about these things now. Eight months ago, Kevin McCarthy hadn't broken the series of promises that he only made at that time. Eight months ago, Kevin McCarthy hadn't stalled the appropriations process. I mean, a Democrat from Colorado, Joe Neguse, made excellent points today haranguing some of the Republicans in the Rules Committee saying, well, gosh, if the border is such a priority and if the Appropriations Committee had a border funding bill in the summer, why did more than 100 days pass before Kevin McCarthy put that legislation on the floor? We don't really have good answers to those questions other than the fact that it's always the parlance in Washington to just wait until the very end and then jam all these bills together and get one up or down vote on funding the entire government. 
That is the way we have run since the mid-90s, and I'm trying to break the fever and liberate us from those up or down votes and get to single subject spending bills. It's an idea even folks on the left support because it leads to more transparent, honest and open government. So, Congressman, a number of your Republican colleagues, they say that they're at a loss for understanding your strategy. Listen to what they had to say. What are you asking for? You know, we, we need to pass appropriations bills, not a CR. OK, we're trying to pass appropriations bill. You won't let us do that. So. Stop voting with Democrats. I think everybody's just confused because there's not rational explanations on the opposition. At the end of the day, uh, any final bill is going to be bipartisan. Uh, and if somebody doesn't realize that, uh, they're truly clueless. I understand what you're saying, that you want to take this bill by bill. But the question is, how will you do that in the next seven days in a bipartisan way that will end up with something that is the law of the land? There's no doubt that we are behind in the House of Representatives because we are poorly led. But to my friend and colleague Dan Crenshaw, he probably should have watched your program 10 days ago when I laid out exactly what we want, a vote on term limits, a vote on a balanced budget amendment, and then single subject spending bills. Now, we've been dilatory and delayed in that. And it was frustrating to me, Abby, that yesterday at 3 o'clock on a Thursday, Kevin McCarthy sent everybody home as if we're operating in the French work week. We should be starting at 7 in the morning, finishing at midnight, and getting our work done. There are members from across the Congress and across the Republican conference who are here doing that, but we are doing that in spite of our poor leadership, certainly not because of it. And, you know, to my, to my friends and colleagues, I would say pretty simple. We want to vote individually on these appropriations bills, and we will not tolerate them being lumped together. I, I think a lot of Americans would agree that they'd like to see folks working through the weekend to resolve this before there's a government shutdown. Uh, but I, I wonder, I mean, don't you think it is reasonable for members? I mean, you heard Mike Lawler there talking about a bipartisan fashion. Don't you think it is reasonable for them to work on the other side of the aisle if it means avoiding a shutdown that can actually hurt Americans, including thousands of your constituents? No doubt. And Mike Lawler's right. The final solution in divided government always has to be bipartisan. But the question is, what platform and what paradigm do we use to engage that negotiation? I believe that we should negotiate each agency of government and each appropriation bill separately so that we get to a programmatic level of analysis. What I disagree with is the notion that we should start with the premise that we just fund everything the way it's been going the prior year, whether it's worked or not, whether it's exceeded, it's expended, it's uh, expected uh, distributions of funds or not. You see, that just leads to more of the same. It's actually precisely the reason that we are $33 trillion in debt facing $2 trillion annual deficits. We cannot go on I, as a country that I spending $7 trillion and bringing in $5 trillion. So I hope I we can understand. get bipartisan agreement to reduce spending. Look, I understand what you're saying about the spending. This potential discharge position and just to kind of petition, I should say, and just to put that into plain English, it's basically a tool that allows lawmakers to force a vote on legislation, even if the speaker doesn't want to bring it up for a vote. Would you support that effort? I would if it's the problem solvers bill that we have support. We have 64 members of the problem solvers, half Republican, half Democrat. And we agreed on a framework. That framework is a CR until January 11th. That'll give us time to get appropriations bills done. Uh, we'll also do disaster relief because we're out of money because of Hawaii 
and Florida. Mm -hmm. uh, we would do Ukraine, which I support. I'm a Reagan Republican. We stand up to bullies. We help out those who are being invaded, uh, like Ukraine has been. But we'd also have a very stringent border security uh, provision in this. And this gets Republicans on board and Democrats on board but with the other parts of, the, of, these, uh, of this framework. We have draft legislation right now. Uh, we're, we're just trying to fine-tune it. And But in the end, this, if we could get legislation that looks like that, I'm going to support it. And I believe we'll have good Republican and Democrat support. Okay, it's Saturday, 23 September, in the year of our Lord, 2023. You're here for our favorite show of the week, the Saturday morning show, uh, where we catch up, uh, work through everything that's gone on, and plan for the week ahead. Of course, in Washington, D.C., there are a handful of people that are currently working because of you, the Warren Posse. We have a lot of work today. I want to juxtapose at the beginning what Matt Gates and, 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 the, and the six and the 20 and these patriots that at the beginning of January fought for a process, and now you're seeing it go through. And here's the shocking thing is that it's been so long since we've done this. And McCarthy and, of course, the Uniparty have fought and fought and fought not to, get, not to have this process. This is why they delayed the appropriations. They lied to everybody at the beginning. And quite frankly, they sucked in Tom Massey and others uh, that believed they were going to do regular order on the appropriations. Why this is important. And you see right there, Abby Phillips of CNN and, of course, the New York Times, Washington Post. They're so into supporting the Uniparty and the oligarchs on Wall Street. They don't even quite frankly comprehend what Gates and his team are doing. These are individual appropriations. But listen, you, you, you can't make that gap between the $5 trillion of cash that comes in from all sources and the $7 trillion that, that goes out, particularly when you have discretionary spending, I don't know, of what, a trillion and a half dollars, a couple trillion dollars. You can't make those cuts in discretionary unless you go through an appropriations process and identify programmatically. These aren't going to be horizontal cuts. Oh, let's cut 2%. No. The way to get our arms around this in, in, a, in a beginning process to break the fever, as Matt Gates uh, says, which I think is a brilliant phrase, is to go through this appropriations process with amendments, fight it, and fight it out. Fight it out. And then that exposes people that are still prepared to let the cartel run the nation's capital. Now, quite frankly, if they had started what they were promised, and this has been done in April, May, June, July, we wouldn't be here. The clock's ticking, as we've said, and you know, on the show, to midnight on the 30th. And right now, it looks like the maximum are going to be, I don't know, four bills uh, in next week. And as we talked to Eli Crane and others yesterday on the show, it would take two or three weeks to do this in, in a rushed fashion, but in, in a, at least some sort of appropriate fashion. And that would be a couple of weeks into, quote unquote, this, oh, my God, a government shutdown. Now, the last voice I played, I think, is one of the dumbest loudmouths in Congress. You always see this guy quoted all wrong on every policy. The anti-MAGA General Don Bacon of, North, of uh, Nebraska. And uh, we're going to have a special thing for uh, General Bacon today to make sure the war room posse calls him and lets him know. He's always on MSNBC. He's always running around, running his mouth. Um, you know, a super, oh, I'm a Reagan. You know, President Reagan would no more be putting money into the charnel house of Ukraine than flying. He was quite strategic 
about where to put money. So you saw bacon, a bacon in these problem solvers, which were really not problem solvers at all. And if you look, I'll, I'll get Grace to put up the list in the next block of, of who the, the prom, problem solvers caucus is. They want a CR. They want a CR. Working with Democrats, they want a CR that goes into January. Goes into January. Takes all the time pressure off and tees up omnibus. Okay? Uh, they want full Ukraine funding, and I mean not just the $300 million that people got of the defense budget because they shut the defense budget down over the Ukraine $300 million. It's to approve the $24 billion giveaway to Zelensky and the oligarchs. Not even Poland or Germany or any nation in Europe supports this. This is the insanity. How can you sit there and say we're going to get serious about cutting this budget and stopping the debt enslavement of our children when some clown sitting there going, oh, yeah, we really got to get Ukraine? And then the border security, this is just a trinket. You think the Democrats and the Problem Solvers Caucus are, gonna, are going to sign up for everything on, on the board that's real security? We have enough laws in the book. Look, H.R. 2 has got some lovely stuff in it. Of course, they take out, even in the proposal by Byron Donalds, they take out E-Verify, which is the magnet that gets them here. People want a better economic life. They come for the jobs. Unfortunately, that's not what our asylum system's set up to do. That is get in line and wait 20 years to get in here as a, uh, as a uh, legitimate uh, you know, foreign national. This is all going to come down to a massive fight this week. And what we're here to do today is kind of break it all down to you so you understand it. Uh, I've got, by the way, we're going to go to break here in a second. I'm going to bring in, we've got Congressman Lauren Boebert. He's going to walk through. Remember, she was one of the heroes at the beginning of the year. She put it all on the line. She put it all on the line to fight and make sure that we got these tools. Now that, now that the, the, um, the uniparty leadership of Kevin McCarthy and Mitch McConnell gamed the system so that you couldn't get to a real appropriations process, now they're sitting there screaming, oh, my gosh, it's going to, you know, the end of the world's coming at midnight on the, uh, on the 30th. That's just not true. It's just incorrect. And you're going to see clowns like Don Bacon and others, right, others. You had uh, Crenshaw. You got all these guys, the problem solvers. They're going to work with Democrats, and they're going to hold up this phony discharge petition, right? As I said, and I put it out the other day, Lawler and these guys, you do the discharge petition, you've just signed your political obituary, okay? So we dare you to do a discharge petition. When that's off the table, they have zero leverage, this is all about leverage. This is all about you. You're empowered now. This show entirely brought to you by Birch Gold, our sponsors on Saturday. We're going to talk about the end of the dollar empire. And we're going to talk about it on this massive firefight on Capitol Hill. Congressman Lauren Boebert from Colorado joins us after the break. You should choose an air purifier like your life depends on it. Because it just might. More than 35,000 wildfires have devastated the U.S. this year. The toxins and particles in wildfire smoke can penetrate our lungs and threaten our health. That's why EnviroCleanse developed military-grade air purification for your home. And they just announced their biggest sale of the year. Save a massive 30% off during their Labor Day sale. EnviroCleanse is specifically designed to wipe out airborne chemicals and viruses known to cause illness, allergies, and difficulty breathing. Even toxic gases and particles found in wildfire smoke are no match for EnviroCleanse. That's why the Department of Defense chose EnviroCleanse to protect the air on board our Navy combatants. 
And EnviroCleanse comes with a free professional air quality monitor so you know your family's breathing purified air. Now's the time to save 30% off your air purification unit. Get the free air quality monitor and fast free shipping. That's a 250 bucks savings. Visit ekpure.com and use code Steve. That's ekpure.com, code Steve. Let me repeat, ekpure.com, code Steve. ekpure.com, code Steve. Take action, use your agency, do it today, get the benefits of the sale. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, a lot going on. Uh, you've been manning the ramparts all week, and we need you to man the ramparts this weekend because there is a massive fight going on in your nation's capital. Um, everybody is engaged in using your agency. We told you we would put you in the room. President Trump put you in the room at the head of the table. Then they stole the election from him. You're back in the room, and you're at the head of the table again. You've got the leverage. Why is that? Because of people like Lauren Boebert and other heroes in early January. Congressman Boebert, thank you. Remember, you were called, and all the other folks that fought for this, you were, guys were called every name in the book. of chaos, Agents of chaos. The whole country is going to melt down. And you laid out a process in these appropriations that McCarthy and his team just, you know, absolutely didn't want to do. They wanted to create a crisis, come back here, have a CR, have an omnibus in the dead of the night, not let the American people see it. This appropriations process opens it up. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong. You're still in Washington. You're working through the weekend, correct, ma'am? That is correct, Steve. And we were called domestic terrorists by members of our own party simply by wanting reforms in Congress. No one likes the way Congress operates. And so my colleagues and I took a stand, a 15-round stand, to make fundamental historic changes to the way this place operates. And right now, we are at the breaking point on one of those promises that we said needed to be kept. And that was 12 individual single subject appropriations bills to fund the federal government. We even had the chairman of the rules committee, Tom Cole, who is in no sense of the mean uh, of the term, a freedom caucus member. But even he said, this is our most important job as members of Congress to get through the appropriations process. And he talked about the good old days back before 1997 when Congress actually used to pass 12 individual appropriations bills. And there used to be open rules on these appropriation bills. And there would be hundreds of amendments on these appropriation bills. And he said what a great time it was to have everyone engaged on the House floor voting for days and days and days at a time and not worried about getting home to the next fundraiser. So when you have a Congressman Tom Cole agreeing with our position and saying this is how we ought to fund the federal government, I think we're on to something, Steve. And while some members of Congress, most members of Congress, have returned to their home districts this weekend, dedicated public servants Servants like Eli Crane, Matt Gates, Andy Ogles, Andy Biggs, Matt Rosendale, Victor Victoria Sparks, we're all here in Washington, D.C., fighting to ensure that we have a plan moving forward and we do not come up against this critical moment of a continuing resolution. I do not want to continue to move forward in the way that we have been going. I do not want to continue with Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi's policies or their budget, their bloated budget. I want a 
I want programmatic reforms. And the only way we get that is through these single subject appropriation bills. Let's. I, I want to make sure the the war room posse understands this. When we talk programmatically, and you want programmatic reform, this appropriation process. Because a lot of people come and said, "Well, you take a penny off, or you cut one percent, or you cut five percent." The, I think Byron Donald's uh, the CR before it blew up was eight percent for thirty days. Matt Gates has said that those horizontal things are just kind of wishful thinking. You got to get in programmatically. Can you walk the audience through in the appropriations process? What do you mean by programmatically getting your hands in there and actually? taking apart this budget and the appropriations bill and taking actual programs out, ma'am. Yes. So, Steve, and to the posse out there, since 1997, it's been a straight up and down vote to fund the federal government as a whole in one piece of legislation, whether that be a continuing resolution to just move forward with the way things have uh, been in place or with an omnibus bill. And right now we are saying we want to get into each individual appropriations, whether it's the the, um, the Department of, um, uh, of uh, Homeland Security or uh, DOD or the Ag Bill. There are so many uh, bills that we need to get into the details and defund the weakening, the wokening, the weaponization, all of these programs that do not add value or strength to our country, or they have wasteful spending, that's what we want to get in there and actually cut. And so you mentioned the CR that was floating around for about a week and a half or so that is uh, dead on arrival. That is not something that is going to pass with Republican support. Maybe the Democrats join uh, in this discharge petition to actually move that CR. Uh, But as you said, that's their political death warrant. Uh, We will certainly champion against uh, any of those who force something like that to the House floor. And we want to go in and actually cut this. So in that CR, you hear about 8%, but that's too discretionary. That's not non-discretionary. So when you add in non-discretionary like DOD, well, you're sitting at a less than 1% cut. So 8% sounds wonderful, but really it's less than a 1% cut for 30 days. And so it's just window dressing. And we want to get in there and actually force actual change. We have tremendous cuts in the actual individual appropriations bills. And if we force those to the Senate without a CR, without the option of a CR, then the Senate has to pay attention to what we send them. If we send them both, if we send them 12 individual appropriations bills, four appropriations bills, whatever the number may be, they can ignore those and say, nope, we're going to look at this CR and that's what they're going to put their teeth into and that's what they're going to focus on and then that's what the American people are stuck with. So we want to only send these individual single subject bills to the Senate so that's their only option to move forward and then that will uh, promote them to actually act quicker and we can avoid a long-term shutdown. It is very well possible that we will see a one week, 10 day, 12 day, maybe even 15 day, hopefully not shutdown of the federal government uh, to get this right. But also we need to take into account the pay periods. That doesn't mean that on October 1st, our border patrol agents are not paid, that our service members are not paid. They're getting paid on September 28th. So we have a couple of weeks that gives us time to actually figure this out and move forward and get that funding so there isn't a hiccup in those uh, in, in that pay period. In, in, in that regard, that's a very logical program. Is it helpful? Don Bacon and these quote-unquote problem solvers, which to me are always problem initiators, 
this thing of ask if you if you get a CR to January 11th, you have just opened the floodgates to more madness. You're going to get what you're going to end up was was an omnibus. No fighting on this. Are the are some of the problem solvers there actually helping you guys through the weekend to get to the bottom of these appropriations bills? Are they running around with Democrats to throw up another alternative that people will spin wheels for a couple of days reviewing? Steve, that's the beauty of this plan. Uh, I haven't heard the quote directly myself, but I've, I've, it's been reported to me that the speaker says he wants no part of what we're doing. This burn it down plan is what he thinks that we are committed uh, to, to moving forward with. Really, we're trying to uh, provide levity to the system rather than gravity and the status quo. And we are wanting to, a, a path forward, a righteous path forward. And we have to break this bipartisan muscle memory of the swamp where we just do things as we've always done them. The people who have been here five, 10, 15 years, most of them are part of the problem and part of why we are at $33 trillion in debt. Within the next year, we'll be facing $35 trillion in debt if we have a continuing resolution that goes into January 11th. But as I started this, the beauty of it is we do have moderate Republicans who are here working with us on a path forward. Steve, to be completely blunt with you, we were working on this pro on this process and we were all sitting together in a closed room meeting, a closed door meeting when the notice went out for members to go home. They were directed by the Speaker of the House, that they were free to go home at 3 p.m. on a Thursday while we were actually working on a plan to have votes started as soon as today, Saturday, we could have been voting on the DOD bill, on the Homeland Security bill, on this Ag bill. We could have been working on those amendments starting today. And instead, members were told, go home. Uh, that is uh, completely irresponsible, in my opinion. That is why I am still here in Washington, D.C., alongside my conservative colleagues and moderates who have stuck around, who do not want a shutdown, who understand that a CR is DOA, and they want a path forward. And they're working with us on that. And I, I'm very happy to see this coalition being formed. Are, are you, uh, it, I just want to make sure I understand it. Are you implying that McCarthy understood understood that actually self-organizing and coming together with moderates and others who say hey the spending we got to deal with the spending that they purposely put out the go home to try to break the momentum that you you people were going to have over the weekend so that we maybe actually make the 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 30th of September outside chance but you still work nonstop and have these votoramas in the making you think that was done on purpose I mean, Steve, that's kind of what it looks like when we are texting leadership saying, do not send members home. We are at the table negotiating this. We are making great headway. Everyone is in agreement and there's no ceasefire. There's no cease and desist. Members stay here. Hold on. Changed our mind. We have a plan. Nope. Get on your plane. Go home. Go to your fundraisers, whatever it may be. Uh, and uh, so it, it seemed somewhat intentional to 
further back us up to this deadline so there will be a crisis to force us into a CR because that is that bipartisan muscle memory of, of Washington, D.C. We, we have to go right up into the deadline and then we have to do something or else because God forbid we have bad messaging come our way. Steve, I got bad messaging come, coming my way every day of my life. That doesn't stop me. I sleep well at night. I have a job to do. I have voters who trust me to be their voice, to represent them. And that's what I'm here doing. I could have gone to fundraisers. I had events in my district this weekend that I could have gone and been with four or 500 people that I represent. But rather than that, I'm going to represent the some 750,000 member uh, voters in my district right here in Washington, D.C. And together, my colleagues and I, we are committed to funding the government, delivering on the promises that we made to the American people back in Con- January and disrupting Con- the status Congressman, just hang on one second. We'll take a short break. Short break. I got a couple of questions on the other side. I am the last person on earth to nag you about your diet. I think you can see I don't always make the healthiest food choices either. But I will share that the Mayo Clinic says if you want to help prevent heart disease, lower blood pressure and cholesterol, eat five servings of fruits and vegetables every day. I don't. And you probably won't. That's why I take Field of Greens every morning. Unlike the others, each fruit and each vegetable and field of greens was medically selected by doctors to support your vital organs like heart, lungs, kidneys, and immune system. Flu season is here, and I trust Field of Greens to help me stay healthy. Field of Greens works fast. You feel better with more energy, and you'll notice your skin, hair, and nails will look healthier too. If you don't always eat right and exercise, join me and take Field of Greens. Now, let me get you started with 15% off your first order. Visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code Bannon. That's promo code Bannon at fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com. More energy. You'll look better. You'll feel better. And you'll get what the Mayo Clinic says is what you need in fruits and vegetables every day. Fieldofgreens.com. Code Bannon. Take agency. Do it today. Action, action, action. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Congressman Bobert of Colorado says this is a righteous cause. I want to make sure everybody in this audience is empowered uh, to use your agency. That's what this show is about, is to present you a platform and provide you um, access to leaders, thought leaders, uh, men and women of action, and also the information so that you are also part of this fight. You're just not some passive person listening to talk radio or watching us on TV or streaming there with the channel changer. No, that you're actively part of this. And we know you are because you're kind of the driving force in this. You're the protagonist, this audience. One way to do that, you got to get the information. That's why I go to birchgold.com. Remember, now for over two years, I think it is, we've been writing this series called The End of the Dollar Empire about the state of the finances of our country. It's really a course in kind of macroeconomics. Um, We've got a a new installment that will blow your head up. It's about the uh, weekend in uh, 1971, 13 August to 15 August, when Richard Nixon and his his senior financial advisors in the Federal Reserve took the the dollar, the Federal Reserve note, 
off of convertibility into gold over a three-day weekend. It has had, it's probably in the top one or two most important decisions ever made in American economic history. And uh, the fourth installment out, you can read all about that and understand how that drives the discussion we're having here today. Remember, it just didn't, we just didn't end up as a country with $33 trillion in debt. And more importantly, and this is what Boebert and Gates and these people are fighting through this weekend. And this is why this is not simply a teachable moment for the American people. This is a defining moment in the country's finances. Why is that? To get it down, just a very simple, there's about $5 trillion of cash that comes in, and there's $7 trillion between defense, discretionary, and the obligations we have uh, with Social Security and, and Medicare and Medicaid that, uh, that goes out. That has to be addressed. We told you, when remember, McCarthy cut the budget deal for two years because he never wanted to, to, to be reviewed. We didn't love the one-year deal. We supported it at the end, but we didn't love it. Had a trillion-and-a-half-dollar deficit, uh, and it had all kinds of other things we didn't like, but it was for one year. So it would be back in the spring. Remember, the donors told McCarthy, no, 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 no. If you have it one year, this will clearly blow through the trillion dollars or trillion-and-a-half. And then you're going to have the populist over at the war room and Bannon and Navarro and all these people, their hair on fire, and saying that we've got to look at alternatives. And one of the alternatives is going to have to be, because if you don't cut, you've got to cut spending, you've got to do it program, you've got to do that. Eventually, you're going to have to talk about tax increases for the wealthy. Boom, they said, no, I know this from inside the room, so you can't do that. We don't want that as the railhead of the 2024 presidential campaign. We don't want that in the equation. So it gave him two years. And we said the time, the day the deal was cut, they said this fiscal year will be at least a $2 trillion deficit. And worse, and worse because of the drop in, in, in the revenue side, $300 billion in drop revenue, principally a lot of it from capital gains because there's not that many transactions as there used to be because of the higher interest rates, that this is now structural. This deficit is going to be in perpetuity. They play all the games, oh, we, we're showing a budget that's got, that's all, it's all nonsense. Just look at cash in and cash out. It's a lie. And that's what Gates and Boebert and others, they're doing this weekend is so historic. It hasn't been done in 30 years. This is one of the reasons we got in this situation. This is one of the reasons that the Republican Party that you see personified by these weak leaders, you see in front of the microphone all the time, of Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, the cartel, as Russ Vogt calls it, just kicked the can down the road. Of course, the Democrats, they, they want the, the 40% increase in spending that's happened post-COVID. They want that. They want to spend more. They believe in this bizarre theory, modern monetary theory, that came out of France. As we told you the time I explained to you, it was a dangerous theory that deficits don't matter. And that if it ever gets to be a problem with interest rates, you could then their theory is you can just massively increase taxes and it all takes care of it. We said at the time that's a fallacy. It's a fallacy. And it's one of the reasons both parties bought into it. Wall Street bought into it. And who pays for it? Look at the lead story in CNBC. I think I just put it up on Gary. The lead story in CBC that the CNBC is the biggest credit card defaults, you know, record credit card defaults starting now. Over $1.1 trillion in credit card debt right now, the American people, at these rates, I think APR is at 27%. You're going into bankruptcy. The American people are going into bankruptcy. As much as they try to sell Bidenomics, his approval rating is 36%, 35% of the economy. The lived experience, the lived experience of the American working class and middle class in this country shows what a lie it is. And that's why 
the beginning of a solution, not the total solution, but the beginning of a solution is actually to face this like any family would. And that's a, in, in a very simple context. That's what's happening this weekend. And you have a, a handful of brave patriots. And I might say, particularly to the Fox News, everybody that, that criticized these folks at the beginning, oh, this thing in January was chaos, there's going to chaos. What they did was heroic to put out a set, a, tool, a, a toolbox that we could actually have rationality in our governance. And they've been criticized and criticized, and now they're agents of chaos. That's not, it is not the end of the world to go through the 30th September if there is a plan. Now, Congressman Boebert, Crenshaw is saying, he's saying something and repeating it. Crenshaw and these guys, you, you, they don't know what you want. They don't know what your ask is. They, they're, they're very confused about what you and Gates and, and, and Rosendale and all these folks are, are asking for. Is, that, is, is there anything mysterious about what you're doing here? Do, does Crenshaw really not understand what you're doing? It's interesting when I hear my colleagues uh, make claims that they do not know what our demands are, that they do not know what we want. It actually sounds very similar to Democrats saying, show us the evidence. There is no evidence to impeach Joe Biden. There is no evidence that he colluded with his son in his business dealings, that Joe Biden was bribed, that he is a compromised president. The, the remarks strike me as very, very similar, except they're just coming from different uh, sides of the aisle. And we have been very, very clear, especially here on your show and, and throughout the country as we as we travel and talk to millions of Americans uh, amongst us, amongst our group, we said that we wanted a balanced budget, that we wanted to rein in the reckless spending in Washington, D.C. We said we wanted a vote on term limits, that we wanted a, a vote on a balanced budget, that we wanted the January 6th tapes released. We have been very clear about this starting in January and have continued these demands, reminding leadership the promises that were made, the promises that we expect to remain and, 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 and be kept. We, we haven't slowed down for eight months. And now here we are with these eight individual appropriations bills that were part of our demands in January. And it should not come to a, as a surprise to our colleagues that we were serious about what we meant back in January, that we did not want to continue with the status quo, that we did not want continuing resolutions, that we were absolutely opposed to a minibus or an omnibus bill that just demands a straight up and down vote on the entirety of the funding of the federal government. We wanted to go in with these programmatic reforms, with the fiscal restraints, and, and ensure that we go line by line in the federal budget to to actually get on a path of fiscal responsibility. And Steve, I want, I want to back up for just a second. I love that you are encouraging the posse right now. And I love that you are telling the posse that what they're doing is not passive. What they're doing is absolutely important. And they are the ones who have my back, Matt Gates back, Andy Biggs, uh, Corey Mills, all of these folks, we know that they are behind us. The American people are behind us. And I think that that's enviable to some members of Congress who don't have the support of the American people like we do. So I just want to say thank you so much to all of those uh, who watch your show and make those phone calls because it does matter. If you remain silent, 
we lose by default. We have to make it known that this is the position of the American people and that we are not going to let you down. For eight months, we have made these demands and these are the requirements that we expect of the speaker. You've heard Matt Gates say that we have this toolbox now. We have empowered Speaker McCarthy to be the best speaker in history, but we cannot simply admire our tools. We have to actually put them to use. And that's part of what this is. It could be uncomfortable at times. I, I mean, nobody likes to get uh, nicks and dings in their hammers or break a saw blade, but in order to actually utilize those tools, it's going to happen. So right now we are doing what my colleague from Arizona, Eli Crane says, and we are forcing Washington DC to do the right thing. Nothing happens in this town without force. This is a forcing function right now. There's no doubt. 202-225-3121 is the switchboard. Make sure you call and back the great uh, the great patriots at the tip of the spear in this. And maybe if you've got a couple of three that uh, out there, some of these congressmen that are not pulling their weight, let them know it too. Uh, I, I want to shift gears just for a second because you sit on one of the most important and powerful committees in all of the House, and that is the Oversight Committee. Uh, um, uh, McCarthy said on Maria Bartiroma last Sunday, and just a programming note, Matt Gates will be on Maria Bartiroma, scheduled to be on Maria Bartiroma tomorrow morning, and that'll be quite important. Make that, if you don't uh, get it, we will clip it and put it up on our Getter account immediately. So Matt Gates will be on Maria Bartiroma. When, when McCarthy's on Maria Bartiroma, he, he tried to make the case that if, uh, if, if you go past the 30th next, next Saturday, and you're still working stuff, but you go past the, you know, this, 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 the shutdown deadline, that oversight and judiciary are going to put their pencils down and you, it's going to slow down the impeachment process and all that. Now, I know there's major uh, hearings scheduled, et cetera. I hear that oversight's working around the clock. Is that a fact? If, if, we, if we don't meet the deadline, do, 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 Lauren Boebert, do you people put your pencils down over at oversight given all the great uh, material that you keep putting forth? Are you going to put your pencil down? I certainly hope we don't, uh, and we shouldn't. I think as members of Congress who are duly elected, who represent uh, some 750,000 constituents, that we would be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. Uh, certainly, if we're voting on 200 amendments, there may be a pause in committee hearings as we are on the floor doing that aspect of our job. But that doesn't mean that we aren't still uh, working with staff to uncover evidence, preparing for the next hearings. I don't know why we haven't started these impeachment inquiries six months ago. Uh, certainly, we have uh, uncovered much more evidence in that time. But we had enough to begin that inquiry then and still uncover evidence as we go. I'm ready for a straight up and down vote with all of the evidence that we've already seen out of the Oversight Committee on an impeachment for Joe Biden. This is uh, a, a compromised president from the evidence that I have seen, from the evidence that has been provided by investigative IRS whistleblowers. Uh, this is something that uh, should have been a priority before we were reaching this deadline with funding the federal government. We should have had these appropriations bills out in June or July. So to hear an excuse of, oh, well, it's almost September 30th and we won't be able to do other parts of our job if we don't keep doing things the way we're doing doesn't make sense to me because we should have already produced these uh, bills to the House floor and sent them over to the Senate months ago. Even Democrats are rightfully criticizing us and our failed leadership 
to get these bills to the floor in a timely manner so the Senate can examine them. We could go to conference, hash out our differences, and get this signed into law so we aren't on this critical deadline. Uh, and that's somewhere where I will bipartisanly agree with my colleagues on the other side of the aisle that leadership has failed us in producing this legislation to move forward. Nevertheless, here we are. We're Cap- working with moderate Republicans yeah. to actually get it passed forward. Hang on one second. We're just going to appreciate the time. We're going to hold you through the break. Uh, We're going to stay with uh, Congressman Boebert. We've got some questions about this situation with impeachment. Congressman Lauren Boebert from Colorado in the war room. Short break. Back in a moment. For War Room veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in stream short supply across the United States. But you know that. Because you're a viewer or listener of this show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical, that's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Okay, welcome back. Uh, Congressman, um, you said you've seen enough evidence. You know, the the two things you keep hearing is that um, you folks that are trying to get some uh, rationality in the the nation's finances, you know, nobody knows what you want, and there's no evidence as far as bribery of uh, Joe Biden and his family. You said you're prepared already to not just skip the hearings and go right to a vote. What type of evidence have you seen that leads you to go that hey, I don't even think we need the hearings. We just need we need we need to lay it out in an impeachment uh, effort and then vote up or down. What have you seen on evidence? Yes. So I was not in the class of members that wanted to file for impeachment on the day of inauguration of Joe Biden. I wanted to see what was behind the Biden crime family. And in the oversight committee, we have uncovered so much of this evidence uh, from the FD 1023s, where you have Ukrainian oligarchs uh, saying that Hunter Biden had no uh, prior uh, 
uh, prior uh, involvement in oil and gas. He had no experience. They knew that he was stupid. They knew that he was dumb, but that his dad would take care of them. That if you have to pay one Biden $5 million, you have to pay another $5 million. The interviewer asking, is there another path other than paying this $5 million bribe? And the Ukrainian oligarch saying that it is too late for that. Uh, we have the IRS investigative whistleblowers that have also uncovered the same amount of evidence that we have in the oversight committee, where there were 20 shell companies, 20 LLCs throughout the Biden crime family funneling money from foreign foreign adversaries, the upward, uh, up to $20 million that we have uncovered so far. You are seeing folks not want to investigate Hunter Biden, go into his storage unit and search it, being tipped off, Hunter Biden being tipped off that his storage unit would be raided the next day. This is part of the frustrations that these IRS investigative whistleblowers had. And they said, enough is enough. We are all about fairness and justice. We don't care what side of the aisle you are on. We want this process to be fair. With all of this that we are seeing, I believe that this merits a straight up and down vote, yes or no, do you impeach Joe Biden? And I would absolutely vote in favor of impeaching Joe Biden. Does the Senate confirm that? Probably not. We don't have the strongest Republicans on the Senate side uh, to actually come alongside and confirm that impeachment. But at least we could get that information out in a strong, bold stance to the American people and inform them of what is going on with this so-called commander in chief who is clearly compromised, provided the evidence that we have uncovered in the oversight hearings. So all of this merits, in my view, a straight up and down vote, yes or no, on impeachment. And if there are excuses about federal funding that prevents us from having this impeachment inquiry that we were promised, then it very well may come down to a forced floor vote on impeachment. I'm, I'm done wasting time. Steve, I have four boys at home. I have a grandson at home. I would love to spend more time with them. I have put my life on hold to come here and provide results for the American people, to hold this administration accountable, to deliver on the promises that I made, to govern on behalf of my constituents and millions of Americans throughout the, the country. I am not here for the political show, the political theater, uh, as Matt Gates calls it, the failure theater of Congress, and, and just make excuses and give talking points of what's going on rather than actually doing something. That's why my colleagues and I are here in Washington, D.C., uh, while many members of Congress have gone home. We are here to deliver for the American people. That is our job. Uh, Congressman Boebert, uh, real quick, we've got about a minute left. Uh, over the weekend, how much progress do you think that uh, you folks will make in going through these appropriations bills? Well, first of all, we should be voting today. Today should have been the first day that we started voting on these appropriations bills that we just uh, are working on the rule for. Starting yesterday, we testified in the Rules Committee on this rule to get these bills to the floor. Uh, but we're not because uh, the Speaker gave direction for members of Congress to go home this weekend. Uh, on Thursday at 3 p.m., he said, throw it in, go home. Now, while there is disagreement on all sides and we are kind of stuck at a crossroads, there is a path forward to funding the government. The House should have not adjourned this weekend without successfully passing specific appropriation bills that demonstrate our commitment to reducing excessive federal spending. 
We owe it to the American people who entrusted us with the majority, with their votes, to show that Republicans can effectively, effectively govern. And uh, this has to be an absolute priority. I believe that there is a path moving forward. And my favorite part of this is that it is member driven. This is from the bottom up. It is not four members of leadership saying you will vote this way or else. No, this is a coalition of moderate Republicans and conservative Republicans coming together to provide solution for uh, government funding that is not just about numbers on paper, but it's about our national security and economic stability. And that's not something that I want anyone to forget. I, I just wanna make one more point. The, the importance of the programmatic changes that comes with these appropriations bills is one, one simple fact is the concerning uh, uh, reality that there are thousands of unauthorized government programs that are being funded without proper oversight, congressional hearings, or even a reauthorization vote. That is why it is so crucial that we get into each bill ind individually and, and actually uh, go line by line and see what these unauthorized programs are, where the wasteful bloated spending is, the woke and weaponized departments, agencies, or personnel. We have Holman rules that are coming up to defund certain members in the bureaucracy, those unelect unelected bureaucrats who are destroying our country. And that is why we have to get these 12 single subject bills over the finish line and avoid a long-term shutdown force the Senate to do their job, fund the federal government effectively. That's why I'm here in Washington, D.C., uh, and about two dozen of my colleagues as well. What is, what is your social media? How do people follow you over the weekend? At Lauren Boebert, at Rep Boebert on Twitter, uh, Lauren Boebert for Congress, uh, uh, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert on Facebook. Um, please, uh, you know, come in there, show your support in the comments. Uh, there's certainly a lot of trolls right now who want to diminish what we are doing, even some of those soft Republicans who want to say, what is it that you're doing? And it sounds a whole lot like the Democrats saying, show us the evidence, we don't see it. It's right there in plain sight. We haven't hidden any of it. Uh, LaurenForFreedom.com is where you can go to help me and uh, other colleagues uh, that I have. We, we are all in this together. Remember, even if you aren't in Colorado's third district and you can't vote for me, I vote for you every day that we're in Washington, D.C., and I endeavor to represent your values every step of the way. Congress. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. 
You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there, do it today, check it out.